You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. Welcome, you're listening to Metamorphosis, a podcast where we interview physicians from BC and Canada with the aim of helping medical students navigate their medical careers. I'm Iman, and today we're joined by Dr. Yang Hang, a radiologist based in Vancouver. She is also currently the president of the BC Radiological Society and Canadian Society of Breast Imaging, as well as a clinical associate professor at UBC. Welcome, Dr. Yang Hang, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for including me. I always like to start just by asking, how would you describe what a radiologist does and what your job is? Okay, well, for the layperson, a radiologist is a physician who has done extra training in order to interpret medical imaging images. And those include x-rays, ultrasounds, mammograms, CT, MRI. And the other big part of radiology is that many of us perform procedures. So we don't only sit in dark rooms and interpret images. We actually interact with patients on a limited basis, but we do interact with patients, sometimes doing um, diagnostic procedures and sometimes doing therapeutic procedures. Awesome. That's a great description. Um, And I'm really looking forward to kind of learning more about the intricacies. Um, And then I wanted to ask you, you know, what brought you to medicine and what, what was that journey to actually deciding to be a physician? Well, I resisted it for a very long time. Um, Both my parents are physicians and um, I really didn't want to uh, go into pre-med after high school. So I went into engineering mainly because all my friends were going into engineering. I had no idea what an engineer was. Um, So I went into engineering and it was like fun because I like math and physics and those kinds of things. Um, But then I got my first summer job um, as an engineering student and it was it was all men and their lives seemed very boring so at that point I decided I didn't actually want to be an engineer I enjoyed being an engineering student but I didn't really want to be an engineer so then I transferred out and I went into the College of Arts and Sciences um, and all of this happened in Saskatoon at the University of Saskatchewan mm. So um, I did two years in the College of Arts and Sciences. I first um, decided that I would be a honors math major. And um, I'm very good at math. That's essentially how I got into medicine. So I would get like 100% on tests in math. And then I would I, I got this letter saying, come to the Department of Math to discuss your future. Mm-hmm. So I went, and again, it's all men. And they basically were like, yeah, you're not going to do math. I was like, how do you know I'm not going to do math? They're like, yeah, you're, you're not going to do math. And I was very indignant. But then at that point, I was like, well, if you don't want me, then I'm going to switch. So then I switched and I was an honors chemistry major. And I and I and it was very lonely because there are not very many of those. Um, and I was in classes mainly with um, uh, the pharmacy students. And I really, I really hated chemistry lab. So I was like, why am I doing this? So then I decided, because then I, I, I didn't want to waste, I did, I wanted to graduate in four years. I didn't want with all my changing, I didn't want to lose any time. So the degree where I could use all the credits, almost all the credits I had already 
um, accumulated without losing time was land use and environmental studies. <laughs> So then I did land use and environmental studies and I absolutely loved it. And my plan was to do that and then go on to Simon Fraser and do a master's in resource economics and then hopefully work for um, like the government saving the planet. So anyway, in, in that time, I also kind of was thinking, well, maybe I should apply to dentistry because when I was a kid, I always said, well, I want to be a dentist, not really based on anything that dentists do. Um, but it seemed like a, a good thing to do. I, I have no idea why. So, and it was like an acceptable thing. Like everyone was like, okay, yeah, you want to be a dentist. So then, so then I was going to apply to dentistry and I picked up the form and it said that I had to write the dat and the dat was the exact date of a, of a ski trip that I was planning on taking. So I was like, okay, well, I want to go on the ski trip, so I can't write the dat. So then I picked up the form for medicine and it there it wasn't while I was um on a ski trip and then I got into medicine <laughs> and then medical school like uh, unlike engineering where I like being an engineering student but I didn't want to be an engineer I really hated med school um I really really hated it um and I almost dropped out I took a year off in between first and second year and did research and I, I managed to get a research job. They had posted all the research jobs that were possible for the summer um, after first year medicine. And the only job that didn't involve like clinic or patients was this job where in medical imaging where you test software. And I like that idea. So that was the job I did. And then I ended up really liking it and it turned into um, a, a 18 month project. So I took a year off from medical school and did this big project in MRI and then um, met some really awesome radiologists. And then from that point on, I was like, I want to be a radiologist. But I kind of knew what a radiologist was mainly because really only because my parents were doctors and one of their good friends was a radiologist. And I don't think I would have known anything about radiology. I, I didn't learn anything about radiology in med school um, if that hadn't been the case. And so I, from that point on, was very focused, wanted to do radiology. And then that kind of made the rest of med school better because I was like, well, I'm not going to have to do, I'm not going to have to ask people about their bowel movements for the rest of my life. So <laughs> then I got into the combined radiology and nuke med program at the University of Alberta and moved to Edmonton and I did that. And then I ended up doing multiple fellowships. I moved to Vancouver and um, did multiple fellowships and got a job at BC Cancer, the Vancouver Center, where I work now. And I also work in some community imaging clinics. And um, I'm the medical director of the BC Cancer Breast Screening Program just recently. So that was the path. And it's a bit ironic because I kept not wanting to do things because of the boys club. And then I get into radiology, which is also a boys club. But I do really like radiology. And um, my big goal is to expose people who wouldn't otherwise be exposed to radiology to radiology. Because as I said, I was very privileged. I recognize that. Um, my parents were doctors, we knew radiologists. Um, I was able to go and hang out in the clinic just because we were friends with them. 
Um, my dad, who was ortho, would take me down to radiology when he was on call on the weekends, like from like the age of four. Like most people don't get that exposure. So um, that I really do think that in general, medical schools, uh, although it's better now, there really isn't much exposure to medical imaging and radiology. So um, I'm trying to work to change that. Yeah, that's an amazing task. Um, I love that you were, I can't believe you did all those different things in, in four years. You still managed to graduate in four years. It's amazing. And I'm glad, you know, you were able to just find yourself um, in the position that you wanted to, even though, like you said, you med- medical school wasn't what you had maybe thought it would be. And, and then it seems like things have gotten better after that. And then I, I did want to focus then a little bit on radiology, like the residency and, and how, how was it going through that? I think a lot of people don't really know what would be in a radiology residency and and what that entails as well. So the first year, like many of the specialties, the first year is basically a rotating internship where you do everything except for radiology. So you spend a couple months in internal medicine, a couple months in surgery, a month in pediatrics, um, cardiology, obsgyny, like everything except for radiology. And then in PGY2, that's when you really get into radiology. And that's really um, your first year of radiology is your PGY2 year. And you start out by doing rotations so that you learn the essential things so that you can do call. So the things that you see on call are like strokes, pulmonary embolism, appendicitis. So in the first couple months of your radiology residency, you generally do those kinds of rotations so that you can be ready to do call after a few months. After that, then there's other rotations that you do. You do multiple, you do many of the rotations many times and your experience is sort of different as you become a, uh, from junior to senior resident in terms of what you do and what's expected of you. I personally felt like I had really good exposure to what, um, what radiologists do. I trained in Edmonton, in the early 2000s, it was a very prosperous present. It was a very prosperous uh, province at the time, so we had lots of toys and um, we did lots of stuff. Because I was in Edmonton, the experience maybe is a little bit different for residents who come to Vancouver because I've kind of noticed that UBC radiology takes a lot of UBC um, students, whereas the Edmonton programs, m- many, many, many of the of the um, residents came from not Edmonton. So it was, it was nice because everybody was from away. And so there was a great sort of cohort of people who were all, you know, didn't know anyone else. And so it was actually very, very fun. So I made some good friends in residency. That's awesome. Also, just to know, like location wise, you know, things are different between programs as well. And then you mentioned also that, it, you know, through that research project, you were able to to kind of really solidify that you would like radiology. Um, what was it in particular that drew you to the field that you didn't find in other areas of medicine? Well, it was sort of a transitional period because I'm very old. So this was like at the end of the 90s. And it was a transitional period um, that kind of went up until even the like 20, early 2010s, where things were tr- were changing from analog to digital. And so in the, in the late 90s, um, images were still generally printed on film. And so like an MRI would be put up and it would, 
all the little pictures would be there on the film and you'd have to look at each one individually. Like you didn't scroll, it wasn't on a mm -hmm. computer. But our project was looking at software where you would scroll on a computer. And I just thought that was really cool. And it felt like that was going to be the future of radiology, which it evidently has become that we sit here at computers and we scroll all day. Um, and I like that. And I like the, I like the limited, but not zero patient contact. And I like that we consult with, um, with other specialties. So we have lots of interaction in the day with people, but it's often with colleagues um, or the allied staff, like our technologists are key to um, us being able to do our job. So we interact with our technologists a lot and um, the referring doctors. And then those of us who do procedures do interact with patients. Um, right before we started this, I was doing an ultrasound guided biopsy on a patient. Um, you know, they're, they don't take all day, they're, they're a short period of time. This person comes into my life for a short period of time. Uh, I provide a service to them and then they, they go. But, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I liked, I like that. I like that it's not, um, I'm not, I'm, I basically answer to that patient's doctor. So I like that. It's nice to hear that, you know, there's kind of for people who might want some of that patient interaction, there's that available. If you didn't want that, you don't need that. Like it sounds like you kind of build it the way that you want. And you also mentioned you had done fellowships after finishing residency. Um, if you wanted to just go into you know, what you did um, and, and how was that experience? So the ones that I did in Vancouver were um, the VGH Emerge Trauma Fellowship. And that was great. It was all it was all eMERGE trauma patients. So patients coming through eMERGE and we did, you know, the major traumas were always very exciting. You never knew what you were going to find. And that's what I loved about that. They honestly had no idea what was going to be on the scan. Um, it could be anything. It could be totally normal. It could be, it could be some weird congenital thing the person didn't know they had, or it could be some like acute traumatic injury that needed urgent attention. Like could be any of those things. So, or a combination. So yeah, no, I really like that. And um, it was, you know, stressful. But then when you're in this stressful environment, you generally bond with the other people in the stressful, stressful environment. So I, I also liked that. It felt kind of like a family. Um, and then after that, I did uh, diagnostic neuroradiology, also at VGH. And that was fun because we did procedures. So we did things like lumbar epidural steroid injections. Um, we biopsied things. <laughs> so it, th there were, you know, a number of things that we did that were interactive with patients. Also, um, just reading all the MRIs and CTs, uh, that that's basically like neuro. Um, and I had seen a lot of that obviously in residency and then the trauma stuff when I was doing emerge trauma, but it was interesting to see it from the much more subspecialized point of view of the neuroradiologist as opposed to the, um, the other, the other sort of people I'd worked with. And then I did um, MRI at UBC and that was also a really good year. I, during that time I was actually working. So I was working um, as a staff radiologist in the evenings, on the weekends, on my days off, but I otherwise was a fellow. And um, it at UBC we did a lot of um, MS, so uh, multiple sclerosis, diagnosis and follow-up and we did a lot of 
um, shoulders and knees and basic MSK um, MRI. So that was fun. And yeah, and then after that, I, well, during that year, basically I had agreed to do that fellowship as a favor to somebody. Um, and I said, I'll do it if you get me a job. Because at the time, there weren't a lot of radiology jobs. And I did manage to get, get a job at BC Cancer um, during that time. So then when I finished, I came here. And I continued to work in the clinic um, that I had been working in, where I still work. Yeah, awesome. Is is that then doing, you know, you've done three. And now, though, it sounds like you do breast imaging, uh, being, you know, the director of that at BC Cancer, and also work in community clinics. Was that then done out of interest, especially the first two? Or was it to kind of find your footing just to get a sense, like, is it common to do these fellowships in radiology? It's very common to need a fellowship in order to work in a tertiary care academic center. Um, most of the people at BC Cancer have multiple fellowships. Um, so I'm not, multiple people here, multiple fellowships. Um, and they, you know, they help us do this work here because it's really complicated work and it's all, all different parts of the body. In terms of breast, I have been doing breast in the community since um, I started working. And um, then I started doing breast at BC Cancer, uh, largely because they didn't have enough people doing breasts. And I was mentored essentially since, um, since starting breast in the community, I was mentored. I basically checked every single case, although I was staff and I was signing them out myself. I checked with someone most of my cases for years. Mm -hmm. um, and then at BC Cancer, we do much more complicated procedures, but luckily I had done all of that very similar work in, in residency at the Cross Cancer Institute in Edmonton. So it, it felt relatively comfortable. I took some uh, specialized courses to get better at breast and I um after you work for six months at BC Cancer you get a six or after you work for six years at BC Cancer you get a six month sabbatical so in 2017 I did a sabbatical where I went to multiple places and did breast imaging and primarily breast MRI so I went to the University of Ottawa Hospital um, I went to um, Sherry Tay in Berlin and I went to Stanford. So I, I came back with a lot of extra knowledge about breast and I took on the role of the medical director of breast imaging at BC Cancer at our site. So um, yeah, it was, it was a very intentional choice to do breast imaging. Um, I still do body imaging and all of those other fellowships really help with that. But in terms of the breast imaging, it's really, it's so much, it's so rewarding. And um, there is way more patient contact than in just reading CTs or MRIs all day. So it's much more varied and way better. Awesome. Yeah, it's great that you were able to find your path and kind of settle into it as well. Um, and it, so it just sounds like from your description of radiology is that it's it's a very challenging field to get to that expert level. Like it sounds like you it needs that much training. I feel like that's maybe something people don't consider um, when they think of radiology, just because they maybe think of it as just reading images. But it kind of sounds like there's a lot of a lot of work that goes into learning it. Yeah, and radiology is getting more and more um, complicated in that you have to know all the diseases that all the other people need to know. You need to know how they're treated. You need to know what the natural progression is. You need to know all the anatomy. Like, you need to know a lot in radiology. 
And yeah, I mean, it's, it's not really getting easier. The volumes are getting more. Nobody can do anything without radiology now. So like nobody goes to surgery without some type of imaging. So you do feel, you do feel like you're a very key part of the healthcare system, which is also really nice. Um, yeah, but it does take a really long time. I think that the average number of post-secondary education years in radiology for to become a staff radiologist, not just at a academic center, um, in a city, but just any radiologist is 13. Um, I did 17 cause I did a bunch of extra fellowships, but 13. So, um, yeah, it, it does take a long time, but as you said, you can sort of tailor it. And that's what's so awesome about radiology. It's so flexible and it really is a good career choice for people who want flexible work. Like you can, it's shift work basically. Yeah. And you, there's not a lot of radio, there's not a lot of medicine where you can do very civilized shift work, a lot of it from home. Like, I mean, emerge is shift work, but you can't do that from home. You can do this stuff from anywhere. So yeah, no, there's lots of opportunity in radiology to turn it into what you want your life to be like. That's super neat. Uh, I didn't realize that it was that concept of shift work as well. Um, can you actually go into, you know, what a week might look like, you know, for yourself? Um, and then, you know, if that's any different from like an average radiologist? Yeah, so I probably, I probably, well, I definitely work more than most radiologists. So I work more than one full FTE. I, um, so my week is Monday. I work at one of the community imaging clinics. And then um, Monday night, I usually read screening there. And then Tuesday, I work at the screening program. So that, that medical director of the BC Cancer Breast Screening Program is an administrative role. It's not actually clinical. So I work in an office and go to meetings and write emails and um, offer my medical expert opinions so that the program can function. Um, it's a team. It's it's absolutely amazing working working there because there's so many great resources and so many people uh, who can help you do your projects. So I do that on Tuesday and then Tuesday evening, I then go to one of the other community imaging clinics and work until about nine o'clock and then Wednesday, Thursday and Friday days, I work at BC Cancer Vancouver Center. So that's clinical work where, where I am now. And Wednesday night, I go to the clinic that I worked at Tuesday night and then Thursday night I do screening. And then Friday night, I'm usually cleaning up screening from the other place. And then Saturday and Sunday, I sometimes work um, in one of the clinics in the day. I often read screening mammography um, on Saturday and or Sunday. Sometimes I'm on call at BC Cancer. Um, so just that the weekends sort of uh, vary, but the weekends are generally more flexible in that um one of the things that I really liked about radiology is essentially you have a pile of work and then you have however much time to do it, but like you figure out how you do that pile of work in that amount of time. And unless you are working in emerged trauma where they need the answer right away, you know, you, you can do that work relatively. Um, you can tailor your date for that work or the work for your day. It's um, as long as it's not acute stuff, uh, it's, it's very flexible, like screening mammography. Those cases are often generated, you know, hours before or days before. Um, and then you read them all, you bulk read them 
like a hundred at a time. So uh, when you read that hundred is kind of up to you and nobody, nobody's waiting for you to do it or nobody's going to interrupt you. And uh, so, yeah, it's reading screening on the weekend is actually very, very relaxing. So it, it sounds like, like you said, very flexible, um, kind of make your own schedule. I mean, it sounds like you're doing something different every single day. Um, so I, I imagine it's also great for people who really want variety and don't want to feel like they're doing the same thing day by day too. Yeah, I think that most radiologists have every day is a little bit different because you're put on a different rotation. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I think most of us have varied days, which yeah. keeps it interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I bet. Um, and then I also wanted to go back to you and mention that work, you know, you work in the community um, and then also at the BC Cancer and you find the BC Cancer work to be more rewarding. Um, so I was hoping you, if you could go into what are the most rewarding aspects of being a radiologist? Well, the BC Cancer work is particularly rewarding because you it's a small place. Um, it's not really a hospital. It's more it's somewhere between a hospital and a clinic. and you you develop really strong relationships with the referring physicians and even the patients because the patients come back um and so you get to know you get to know people and you get to know you know the course of their um their treatment and and you're involved at multiple levels there's um we participate in multidisciplinary rounds so tumor board rounds where pathologists radiologists oncologists medical oncologists radiation oncologists and surgeons all come and then you know, we present the imaging, the pathologists present the pathology, and and uh, then there's a big discussion about uh, treatment. So um, that kind of thing, it's a very collaborative environment, is rewarding. The clinic work is also rewarding in that it, um, it it's more cut and dry. Um, they're shorter cases, they're easier cases, they're way more straightforward, but the BC cancer cases are very complicated, um, and everything's kind of like a puzzle. So it depends what you like. Again, you just like this would not work for a lot of people. Right. And I guess that's where like residency helps if you get exposure to everything and you can kind of see what what aspects you enjoy the most. And that's interesting also because the residents really get no ex no exposure to the clinics. Um, the clinics are generally physician owned, but and physician owned and paid through MSP. So people call them private. There are private clinics where people are paying privately, but most of the clinics are community imaging clinics that are owned by physicians, paid out of MSP, um, much like a family doctor clinic. Um, those clinics generally don't have residents, um, so the residents don't get exposure to that that work and. A lot of many, many, many radiologists, probably at least more than half radiologists have some component of their work in a clinic. So it's kind of too bad that the residents don't get that exposure. Really, they're only in the the, the teaching hospitals, which mm -hmm. uh, which makes sense. And the clinics are more about volume um, because they're so busy. There's so many people who need imaging. Uh, so it, that is one thing that could be improved in the radiology training programs, but it, it's a little bit of a big ask of the clinics to have residents there. That's really interesting that there's a bit of that divide there. Um, but like you said, you outlined some of the reasons that might be. Um, and did you find then going through residency being like then primarily exposed to hospital settings um what's kind of the split like do people feel that they should be doing hospital work or in your case was it conscious 
like a conscious decision to not do hospital work anymore? Well, the BC Cancer work is essentially hospital work, even though it's not a hospital. So that's hospital work. So I, I do everything. I do OB. I do breast. I do body. I do I do neuro. I do everything. So I haven't actually made that conscious decision to stop doing anything, um, though most people do. Okay. That makes sense to kind of specialize a little bit um, as you get, get into the staff role. And um, I was also wondering... Uh, what would be kind of the more challenging aspects of the field or being a radiologist? Well, the pressure is always increasing in terms of volumes and we do not have enough staff and we don't have enough radiologists, but we also don't have enough technologists. So that is a cross country issue and um, we cannot, we can't run our machines. We can't take the pictures without the technologist. So that can be really challenging. Just the fact that we don't have enough staffing. Obviously, working in Vancouver, it's hard to it's hard to staff the admin jobs. It's, it's hard for people to live in Vancouver. Um, it's just expensive, and so that is a constant challenge. And currently, that's a challenge I think across BC. Uh, it's obviously different in different parts of the country, and over time, it changes. So. You know, in the late 2000s, there were not very many jobs, but now there's tons of jobs. Um, but I do think over time, volumes are going to be increasing a lot. Uh, there has been some question about whether AI will um, take radiologist jobs. I don't think that's going to be the case. Radiologists are going to use AI to do their job better, probably do a higher volume to answer that pressure of the increased volume that's um, being required of us. Um, so, yeah, I think that a few years ago there was a fear about AI, and I think people are sort of understanding how it's actually going to help us. AI is going to be built into the machines um, so that the pictures that we see help us find the cancers better, like that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, so the volumes are always a challenge for radiology. I mean, the work is hard. That's just true. But um, yeah, that is one of the major challenges is just keeping up with the wait lists and uh, delivering the highest quality service you can with the resources that you have. Yeah. So like you said, it's been a shift now that everybody requires almost, you know, an image before doing most things um and you also mentioned for yourself like one of your passion projects is trying to get people more exposed to radiology as in students trainees and I know you also founded the Canadian radiology women um do you just kind of want to go into that like what made you want to start that organization and and your work in trying to ex increase exposure thanks yeah so um in when I was on sabbatical in 2017 I had wanted to explore creating a group um, for women in radiology. Uh, at UBC, I approached UBC leadership. They, they had no interest. They didn't think there was a problem. The thing that clued me into the need was that in 2016, UBC didn't match any female residents to the program. So in 2020, we didn't graduate any women radiologists. Um, yeah, so I was told that was a blip, that wasn't a pattern, that there were equal number of women and men in radiology and it just wasn't an issue and even if it was it wasn't UBC's responsibility to fix or address and um, it was suggested that I go through the BC Radiological Society and the BC Radiolo Radiological Radiological Society was kind of like yeah this is not our problem either 
I went to the Canadian Association of Radiologists. That's the the big the big organization that represents radiologists across the country. There was also very little interest there. Um, and I ended up doing a leadership course through UBC Sauter. And my final project was uh, Canadian Radiology Women. So that's sort of how that was born. And uh, that was in late 2018. And then, um, you know, we just sort of plugged along in 2019. And then all of a sudden in 2020, George Floyd, the world decided that EDI was something they actually had to care about or pretend to care about, whether or not they did care about. And then, you know, things have kind of exploded. We started um, an EDI working group through the Canadian Association of Radiologists. We have an EDI rep in the BC Radiological Society. There's an EDI committee at UBC Radiology um, and endless other <laughs> initiatives that now exist. So, yeah, that that's what that's what happened with that. And I mean, the, the main aim of Canadian Radiology Women was to support uh, trainees throughout their training and then into their careers so that they can sort of thrive in radiology. And as you said, expose people who would not have otherwise been exposed to radiology and allow them to connect with radiologists so that they can have conversations like this. Thanks so much for also outlining um, kind of the path to get there. And, and, you know, I think sometimes we just see these organizations that so we don't consider everything. Like, it sounds like a lot of work to have gotten to that point um, with everybody not being on board um, and really important work. Have you noticed a shift um, like in practice when it comes to having more access um, to, to, to various groups into radiology? Um, yeah, you know, as I said, uh, it's now recognized that you have to consider equity, diversity and inclusion when you're hiring and um, whether or not everybody is on board with that, they, they're sort of forced to be now. Um, so I have seen a shift in practices that were very homogeneous becoming much more heterogeneous, which is great because that's better for patients. And that's the whole idea is that... Um, improved diversity, improves patient's care and patient outcomes. Um, patients get the best care when the physician population is similar to their population. And um, yeah, so really having uh, over 60% uh, men really does not necessarily address the needs of women, right? So in general, I, I hope that's improving. I heard anecdotally that more women applied to radiology last year than other years. Um, I think it's going to take a couple years to see if that sort of pans out and if everyone stays interested in radiology and stays in, in radiology. But I don't think things look like they're getting worse, which is good. <laughs> yeah, like a positive trajectory for sure. So that's good. I hope so. Yeah. And like we've published now... Um, We've published things to help the programs uh, be more equitable and some considerations in terms of their selection committees and their selection processes uh, to hopefully make everything more fair. 
Yeah, that's great. Like the behind the scenes work is really important as well to to make sure that it's available for people too. Um, and like you said, anecdotally, you've seen that last year maybe was more popular. Um, I think overall there has been a trend in that radiology is gaining more um, interest in medical students, um, just like looking at CARMS data over time. Is that um, something that you see on your end, like people reaching out? Um, do you have any idea as to why people are maybe now considering radiology? I think that it, it sort of goes in, it goes up and down, just like the hiring kind of goes up and down because it was very competitive um, in in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Like it was super competitive and then it became less competitive. And I think people were kind of worried about AI. Um, I did a number of finder match um, events with doctors of BC where uh, medical students can ask us questions and the questions were always like, is there, are there going to be radiology jobs in the future? And I, I really do think that that has become less of a concern. I think that um, the flexibility of radiology and especially since COVID where um, we do have the ability to work remotely and from home and, uh, you know, a lot of doctors can't do that. I mean, people can have phone appointments, but we can literally like do all our work Um, not here. So I think that that is really um, attractive to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that like people are starting to consider that more seriously now as well, which is helpful. Um, and as you mentioned, we do get some exposure in medical school, um, just, you know, in- incorporating radiology into the curriculum. But I imagine, you know, for people who are seriously considering it, um, you know, what are, what are some things that you would suggest that somebody who's really wanting to do it and we don't get a clerkship, you know, radiology rotation. So, you know, what should people be keeping in mind if they want to actually consider it as a career? Well, the advice I was given was just to go to radiology and introduce myself and say, like, can I spend some time here? Um, And I do, I think that's still a good idea. I mean, there's much more formalized ways for people to do rotations through radiology. Um, I've had so many people reach out, you know, you, you get the name of somebody or you join a Facebook group and there's somebody who says something and you can DM them. I I've had so many people reach out through DMs either on, um, uh, Facebook or Twitter, uh, Instagram where people are just want to do projects. So I think that there's nothing to lose by just reaching out. I've made some incredible friends um uh and i've had some very very rewarding mentorship experiences from people who have literally just cold called me um so i i say don't be scared to do that obviously it is kind of scary it's probably less scary just to text somebody or or write them a dm but uh you know there are also uh, mentorship programs available so use those join the um radiology interest group uh, if you're um, a woman or you identify as a woman, um, join the Canadian Radiology Women Facebook group. You can also follow Canadian Radiology Women Instagram, Twitter, because we tell you stuff that's happening and, you know, you can maybe connect to people through that. That's great advice. Thanks. It's very concrete as well. Um, like, you know, I think just reaching out is like the first step and, and um, it's great that there's so many people who are willing to also uh, mentor students too. 
Um, and now I kind of wanted to focus a little bit on some of your re- uh, leadership roles. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, you are the president of two kind of prominent societies in, of radiology. Um, it, when did you kind of start getting interested in um, leadership or was that something that you've always enjoyed doing? The So I just want to clarify, I'm the president of the BC Radiological Society and I'm the president-elect of Canadian Society of Breast Imaging. And that's going to sort of switch in the fall. So I will be the past president of the BCRS in the fall and I will then be the president of the Canadian Society of Breast Imaging in the fall. So, But for right now, I'm just the president-elect of Canadian Society of Breast Imaging. Um, so I was lucky that there were people who were my champions and they suggested me for roles that I never would have thought that I qualified for. I didn't even know these roles existed. So that is really what got me into things is people, people suggested me for roles. So, um, you know, creating good relationships with people who can do that for you um, is really important. Once you're in a place where you can champion people, uh, you know, I, I say it's really, really meaningful. Like it can change people's lives. So that's how I got into things. Literally, somebody suggested me for the BCRS executive. Um, I yeah, it's just I I would have nothing if people I would have done nothing if people hadn't um, helped me and encouraged me along the way. Like you can't do any of this on your own, right? It's I wouldn't be in radiology if I hadn't known radiologists. Um, it's it's very much uh dependent unfortunately on people helping you so it's really important that's why mentorship is so important mentorship sponsorship championing very very important Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah completely uh it you know like you said it's really hard to get yourself to a place um sometimes it's great because they can see things in you that you don't see in yourself like you mentioned um, so that's awesome. And for that work, is that stuff that you do outside of your clinical duties? Like you have to find time? Like, like how does that work into your schedule? Yeah, it's, it's all volunteer. So it's a lot of, it just makes your life busier. So you can't, you know, I wouldn't do it if I didn't want to do it and I didn't think it was important. I just don't have time to do stuff that I don't care about. So I find that if you care about things, you tend to find time for them. But uh, I do understand that there's lots of people who really don't have time and um, that changes over your career too. Like at some points you might have more time than, than later. And um, obviously if, if you want to be involved, they, people are probably looking for people to join these volunteer executives. Like it can be hard actually to recruit people. Um, and often what I find with women is they're like, oh no, I'm not qualified. Oh no, I couldn't do it. Oh, but but nobody is actually qualified for the job until they leave the job. Like, so, so all these jobs, like nobody's qualified for them. You get the job, you figure out the job, you move on to another job. And that's when you become qualified for the job you left. But then, you know, so um, they've shown that women generally don't apply to things unless they think they're overqualified, whereas men apply to anything. So um, I suggest that people, take that approach. And if there's something that they want to do, apply. And, you know, if you don't get it, it puts you on people's radars. And if something comes up in the future, they'll think of you. I love that advice. That's really great. Um, Just to kind of put yourself out there and see what happens. And you can you can always learn the job too. Um, And people are more qualified than they think. I also wanted to ask then, um, more so again, into like, as you're 
career has progressed, like, was there anything that um, you wish you had considered more of, like when you were going through medical school, residency, um, anything that you thought, you know, you only could learn after the fact? Yeah, I'm very bad at reading. Like, I, I'm, I don't really, I don't really, I never really studied. I can't really study that. So I, I got in with my math marks because uh, there was no studying in math. It was just like you understood it and then you applied the concept. And so that sort of is how it is for radiology for me too, is um, I just, I need to understand the concept and um, that helps me do the job. But yeah, I, I wish I was able to read and study, but I just can't. So I do also think that training programs should take into consideration these different ways of learning because not everybody learns the same way. And I'm not sure if there's a shift in that, but um, I do think that that would make a huge difference to to increasing the diversity of people in radiology or in whatever. Yeah, that's a that's a great point actually that you know everyone kind of comes to medicine from a different angle and so how they might learn it might be different and so that's really important too. And then you know just to kind of end on a not even related um, to radiology, but outside of clinical duties and all of your work, what do you normally like to do? Like what makes you feel fulfilled? Well, I work so much. I have so little free time, but um, I go to um, Legree, which is basically brand name Pilates. I have recently taken up pickleball like everybody else on the planet, but it's actually very fun. Um, I'm now a weird pickleball um, evangelical person, like trying to get everyone I know to play pickleball with me. And then I learned that that's like a meme. I'm essentially a meme now. Uh, (laughs) So yeah. And um, you know, pre COVID I would have said, I love traveling, but that has decreased a lot since COVID, but obviously I would like to, though I think that that's going to become harder and less socially appropriate um with climate change and you know our our uh, our awareness and our sense of responsibility in terms of you know our carbon footprint like i don't think that it's going to be as easy or socially acceptable to travel in the way that we used to i also i like i i cycle i do i do you know the regular mm-hmm. yeah no thank you for um outlining that as well um like you said it's it's hard to find time but even if you have a couple things outside of of work then i'm sure that that's great as well um was there any last parting words of advice or wisdom um that you wanted to tell the listeners um, well, I honestly just reach out to me if you're interested in radiology or if you're, uh, yeah, I guess across the country, you can reach out to me. I can connect you to people at your site. Yeah. I've had so many different requests. Like I had somebody reach out and say, do I know any female black radiologists? Um, and it took me a long time to find a female black radiologist, which tells you we need more female black radiologists and radiology, um, and connected them and you know, the person who asked me is now a radiology resident. So I feel really good about that. Um, so yeah, just reach out with whatever weird question you have. I will try and help you. If I can't, I will find someone who will help you. Thank you so much for your openness um, as well. And um, all of your work to get people more interested into radiology. I'm sure, um, you know, lots of people will benefit from, from every kind of help that you've given them. So, and thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> well, thanks so much. For more episodes of Metamorphosis, look for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, take care, and catch you on the next one.
This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network. 